Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on today's episode, a listener shares what is literally plaguing his friend's father. A shaman calls upon the spirit of his late wife to help with the raising of their children. The sound of a baby crying in a cemetery is quite unnerving until two ghost hunters see why the crying stopped. And the familiar sounds of mom can be heard in a family home. Only mom passed away a while ago. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. How are you today? I'm doing well, and yourself? Good. I'm excited about the stories. They yeah. look very interesting. I'm interested to see what makes the ghost baby stop crying. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so these other ones look interesting too. And uh, essentially, a family-themed show. It or, is. It worked out that way. Or a dead family-themed show. It's very um, parental. Okay, and not in a way of like there's going to be a lot of cursing in the show. No, no. I just thought because all the stories seem to revolve around parents. Sure. It should be interesting. I'm excited about it. The phone number is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also write it on the website at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, so lots of ways of getting those stories to us. Of course, you can also uh, go on our website and uh, comment on our stories if you'd like to weigh in on anything on the forum section. Of course, realghoststoriesonline.com is a place to do just that. We'll kick off the show today with a letter from Brian. And uh, Brian writes into us at Real Ghost Stories Online. He says, Hi, I live in Denmark and have just recently found your channel on YouTube. And I want to contribute with a few of my experiences. I hope you like them. When I was 12 years old, my best friend's dad was working in a cemetery in Copenhagen where he was digging up a mass grave from the time of a plague don't know which one we had quite a few in Europe because that part of the cemetery was to be reused for new graves he took a skull and two bones with him and strange things started to happen first of all it suddenly felt strange in the apartment it was as if there was somebody there even if there were no one to be seen books and other things started to fall down from the shelves and one painting just opposite where the skull was placed on the shelf always hung askew no matter how often it was straightened. My friend and I were not scared. We were in horror, uh, in horror movie magazines, and we frequently visited the cemetery at night to look for ghosts. Never saw any, though. So we thought it was exciting and cool to have a ghost around. One night I was sleeping at my friend's apartment. I woke up sometime during the night and looked straight into a head floating in the air about two feet from me. The dark hair and a thin, full beard, and the eyes seemed black without any white in them. 
I froze and I believed I watched it for 15 to 20 seconds, unable to move before I dug down under the duvet where I lay shaking in fear. No need to say, I didn't look again. The next morning, my friend and I were both very quiet and we went straight and we started to speak. I don't remember who told it first. I realized that my friend had seen the exact same face as I had. Sometime later on, my friend told me that his dad, who didn't believe in the paranormal and was in a real tough kind of guy, one day had gone to the kitchen when he was stopped in the doorway and nailed to the ground. Couldn't move and was suddenly freezing cold and it was summertime. He was yelling and swearing at whatever it was and he was only released when the rest of the family was coming to his aid and they all felt cold at the spot where my friend's father was trapped. My friend's father immediately returned the skull and bones to the cemetery and all the turmoil stopped. So do you think it was just the head because they had taken the skull? What do you mean? Just the ghost that Mm -hmm. you just saw the head. Oh, like just the head was being able to manifest itself? Mm -hmm. Because they had taken the skull, but not, you know, other than a couple of bones, which may not have even belonged to that particular skull. Yeah, because it's a mass grave. You don't know what you're getting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, then you could also beg the question of, was it not the head at all? Was it the belongings of the other bones? Or was it the body of the other parts of the other, you know? person sure. that's that's making their appearance potentially if there was three bones it could have been three different things it could have been but it sounds like they yeah. all dealt with the same thing yeah very interesting i mean what i want to know is even if you are doing your job and you're digging up a graveyard to make room for more graves why would you take the bones why would you what are the options there were they leaving them? Were they, they got to move them somewhere else or? I don't know if they were moving them or just getting rid of them. And if they're just getting rid of them, I could see somebody thinking, hey, this would be a great like sure. Halloween decoration or maybe they're into kind of spooky things anyway. But it's just disturbing. There's still very much something attached to it. The fact that these were actually people mm-hmm. at one time, plague, no plague, whatever caused it. The fact that you're taking that as a souvenir, it's just disturbing that, I mean, at a certain point in time, it's like, oh, well, it's so many years ago. It's no big deal. Anymore. You know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't I don't find any point in time where it's even if I find like a skull from like 500 years ago that it's a OK, <laughs> the, the window of haunting is gone or of appropriateness to take it home is gone. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It's just it's an interesting uh, mindset, I guess, to be. And I don't know. I mean, it's. It's disturbing, and, and obviously you can attribute it to the the bones. Yeah, you can pinpoint it to that. Because it stopped mm-hmm. when it went away. Very interesting. Our uh, next letter, hi, Tony and Jenny. I've emailed and called a few of my stories in the past, and I'm writing today to share another one. As you can see, I've had a lot of paranormal experiences. A friend of mine asked me why I have so many. Well, she's had so few. I think it's because as a sensitive, the entities somehow know they can expend less energy for me to see them or to scare me. If they have a hard time mustering up energy in the first place, then why waste it on people who might not even notice? That's my theory, anyhow, and I told her to count herself lucky. On to my story today. This is a twofer. Uh, when I was a teenager, I lived in a very small town. The first house my family lived in was a rental. The father and son had built the house themselves but had long ago passed away. There was only one bedroom on the main floor, and my brother took that room. My mom hung some sheets and used furniture to block off the den and turned it into her bedroom. I took the smaller room in the basement from my room. It wasn't long before I was woken up at night to the sounds of hammering and shifting lumber and supplies. My mom worked nights, so she never heard any of it, and my brother was very much a sound sleeper. I was the only one who ever got to experience the ghostly building project. We had two cats and a dog when we moved in. Our dog would sometimes go to one of the corners in the living room and look upwards and growl. She was a very protective dog and didn't spook easily. Both my brother and I had seen her do this on many occasions, but could not see what she was growling at. She absolutely refused to go into the basement with me. I'd call to her from the basement, and she'd stand at top of the stairs and wag her tail, but would never come to me. A few months after we moved in, one of our cats got killed while crossing the road, and it really upset me. I was the one who found her, and it was a terrible sight. 
The next night, I was in my room crying and depressed when I saw the shadow of my cat come in through the window, run across the shelf under the window, jump on my bed, and run out my door. Not only was that window sealed shut, but my purse that I hung on the doorknob was swinging. I was startled, but then felt better know that my cat was all right and just came to say goodbye to me. People who say that pets and animals don't go to heaven or have a place in the afterlife are wrong. A family purchased another house in town after the owner passed away. Yes, the owner died in the house, in the kitchen. There was a patch of linoleum, worn thin, and we were told it was where the owner liked to sit in his favorite spot. It was also where he died. We sometimes hear the scuff of the chair at night in that area, even though he, even though we didn't have any chairs there. The floor was redone, and afterwards the scuffing sound stopped. One night, I was woken up to the sounds of footsteps running up the basement stairs. At the time, my brother had his room in the basement, so I thought it was him, my stepbrother, coming upstairs. He sometimes liked to play tricks on me or just annoy me because they were bored. It was an odd hour, though, but with the two of them, anything was possible. I heard the door leading to the basement open, and I heard footsteps coming towards my room. I listened closely because when they were up to something, one of them would get the case of the giggles, and I was waiting to hear them whisper to each other, and one of them laugh, but there was nothing. Then I heard my bedroom door open, and I was paralyzed. Couldn't move at all. I was covered in goosebumps and shaking with fear because I couldn't move or call out to anyone. Then I felt the blanket rise, and very close to my ear, I heard a male voice say, Boo, and laugh tauntingly. At that moment... I could move again, and I turned over, expecting to see my brother or stepbrother, but no one was there. The door was still closed. I got up and checked the basement door, and it was closed as well. I opened the door, and the dogs, we had two at the time, were sleeping undisturbed on the steps. The other thing that happened to me in that house was odd, but I'm not sure if it's paranormal. My family was gone on vacation, and I decided not to go with them. I fell asleep on the sofa and had a very bizarre dream about being chased by the devil, and just when I thought I'd killed him, he would switch form and escape. When I woke up, the dream sat on my mind heavily. I knew it was just a dream, but at the same time, I felt something uh, prophetic. The next night, I again fell asleep on the sofa, and my dream picked up exactly where it had left off the night before. That morning, I felt extremely depressed and anxious. I wanted my family to come home, but they wouldn't be back for another week or so. I tried to shake it off, but it was always at the back of my mind. That night, the dream picked up again where it left off the night before. This had never happened to me before and has never happened to me since. I spent my nights at friends' houses or out all night and sleeping at day until my family returned. At least, the last part I want to share about that house is a story from my mom. We never talked about the weird things that happened while we lived anywhere. It was only after it, and it was safely in the past, that we discussed any oddities. My mom recently told me that while living in that house, she would be home alone during the day, and the TV seemed to have a mind of its own. It would turn on or off or switch stations when she was nowhere near it. That's my tale of two houses, one town. Thank you both for all you do. I'm so grateful to have an outlet and be, and also thankful to learn from others' experiences and advice. I finally became an EPP and uh, you don't know me, so you don't uh, know what a big deal this is. I live very modestly. We don't have cable or a Blu-ray or the latest, greatest computers. We just upgraded to smartphones. Not iPhone, but like smartphones from five years ago. And that was only because the flip phones finally broke and no carrier would support anything but a smartphone. So to pay for entertainment is a big deal for me and your show is absolutely positively worth it. Thank you again for your great work. Well, thank you for your kind words on the EPP episodes. And, yeah. Um, what a smart-ass ghost to just to sneak up on her and, and say boo. Yeah, there's a lot of stories in that story. There's a lot of stories, yeah. but, you know, any one of them are kind of too small to tell by themselves. So sure. Altogether, it made for a really interesting situation. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when you... We had a story not that long ago that was kind of like that, where the ghost was just taunting doing what an what a stereotypical ghost would do you know <laughs> like saying boo yeah and it makes you wonder i mean at some point uh if you're a ghost do you just kind of get sick of trying to do ghostly mysterious things you're like all right i'm just gonna do the ghost things 
I'm just going <laughs> to do what they expect. Because it's like what what you would expect a ghost to do, I guess, when you're not in a haunting st- situation is the last thing the ghost would normally do. Mm-hmm. Like go up and say boo. Right. That's almost more disturbing than the ghost like moving a cup across the room or something. I think so. I think I'd be really petrified because anything else you can kind of write off as well. Maybe I'm hearing the TV or maybe I'm hearing my friend or my family. Mm-hmm. But when it comes right up and there's nobody in the room and it says boo. Yeah. Want an ask. <laughs> it's like the beginning of the, the story where it was the uh, the chair that was, was making the noise onto the floor before they replaced it. Um, that it was an easy, oh, okay, well, the owner lived here. They sat in that spot. They died in that spot. Okay, that's them. Mm-hmm. Or, it's, or it's the energy. Or you can kind of somewhat write it off as maybe they're, it's not very conscious. It's just, just the energy, yeah. you know, doing it. But then you have essentially someone being satirically funny as a ghost. That really shows you that uh, there's a lot of consciousness there. Yeah, definitely. Which can be kind of disturbing. Yeah. If, if you are dealing with a ghost. You know, very, uh, very interesting stories. So thank you so much for, uh, for sharing those with us. The phone number is 855-853-4802. Share your real ghost story with us, of course. Uh, as it was just mentioned, the uh, EPP bonus episodes, if you're a new listener to the show, that's how we keep the show alive uh, is uh, with our EPP program. You get a bonus episode every single week, access to all of our bonus episodes, uh, 30-some of them are now available, um, and uh, it keeps the show on the air. It's only 5 bucks a month, so please consider becoming an EPP and helping to keep our show alive. We uh, greatly appreciate that. Let's go to a caller. Hi. Hi, guys. This is uh, Philip from the Fort Worth area. I called a while back and talked about the uh, prank app. Um, And uh, I have a story I'd like to share with you guys. It'll go really well with the Ouija awareness kind of thing you got going on. Well, this, this story happened back in the very early 90s when I was going to college my first time in a small college up in northern Oklahoma. Um, Very small town. Um, Really the only thing to do in that town was to go to Sonic, which was right across the street from the campus. So other than that, there really wasn't much to do in that very small town. So a lot of times what we'd end up doing is just walking around the campus uh, with our friends in the evening times to pass instead of studying like we probably should have been. But anyway, we would we were out uh, walking with just a few of our friends, maybe three or four friends, one evening, and they just they had just built a new gazebo that they put out in the middle of the courtyard out there on campus. And so a lot of times we would frequent that uh, gazebo out there. Well, one of one of my friends um, suggested that they thought it would be a good idea if they went to their room and brought back out the Ouija board. And uh, the rest, uh, a few of us were like, "Eesh, I don't know. I don't think that's a really good idea." But you know, the majority wanted wanted to do it. So um, you know how uh, peer pressure is. <laughs> Well, anyway, um, curiosity got the best of us, so we decided to kind of stick around just to see what was going on. So they got the Ouija board, and they started using it right in the center of the gazebo. And like I said, at first there was only like five, four or five, six of us. And uh, as students would walk around the campus, they saw all of us congregating in the gazebo. So, of course... They came up to see what was going on, and then five, you know, turned into 10 to eventually 15 to 20. And there was pretty big crowd that actually ended up wandering up to the middle of this gazebo while this Ouija board was going on. And, you know, to kind of make a long story short, a second board popped up from somewhere, and they had two boards going on simultaneously and uh the uh in the middle of the gazebo and of course this caused more people to show up and you know and then there was a third board that popped up so there's three ouija boards being used 
uh, at the same time in the middle of this gazebo at three different tables in the middle of this gazebo. And I mean, there probably was, I'd say what started off as four or five, maybe ended up to like a hundred, hundred students who ended up walking out just to see what was going on. And they, I mean, there was a lot of gas going on. And I remember thinking to myself, this is the most bizarre thing I had ever seen. And then just out of nowhere, we heard this great big loud boom. And right above us, the power transformer that lit, that gave light to the whole courtyard just suddenly blew. Sparks were flying everywhere. This caused all the, the students that were gathered around to uh, to scatter. I mean, when people were running over each other, tripping over each other, running, crying, praying, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I know I should have never should have did this. They kind of scattered and and everybody kind of went back to their perspective dorms. Well, after about 15, 20 minutes after we kind of caught our breath, some of us, we decided to venture back out there just to see what was going on. And as we went back out there, the power company had shown up and they was out there, you know, checking out the blown transformer. And from what we could, what we were told um, from uh, some of the uh, power power people that was working they could not figure out what caused that transformer to blow it made no sense there was no type of um, electrical problems or anything but you know the ones that were there we knew you know that what caused that thing to blow and uh, that was a very very bizarre situation you know and uh I think there's, I'm sure there's someone out there that's listening to the same podcast that was there and could call in and, and, you know, confirm this story. Cause I'm sure that there was enough people out there that, that they saw that they all witnessed what happened. It was a very, very bizarre event. And, uh, that's the story I'll share with you this time. I have a ton more and I'd be so happy to call up and, and share at another time. So please you guys, thanks and uh, look forward to hearing more of your ghost stories right here on your show. Thanks. God bless. Thanks Phil for uh, calling in and uh, sharing that story with us. Wow. So my question is, do you think that the, transformer blowing was from all the negative energy being conjured up with the boards or was it something trying to scare them away so they would stop using the boards I wasn't thinking of it from that perspective I was I, I was going to say maybe not necessarily negative energy alone but energy just too much in general mm-hmm. yeah like uh, just everything all going at it at the same time but um, that's an interesting perspective um, of maybe because you don't know what you're getting sometimes and you can get good through them as well. You just don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, could it have attracted something good that realized, OK, inevitably something bad's going to happen here to this group of people. Um, I'm going to cause this to happen to make it stop. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't even think of that. I like to think maybe that's what it was. Yeah. As opposed to something else that was trying to harm them. Something bad. <laughs> I would say, you know, I suppose if, if, if harm was the intent, it probably could have done a lot more than that. I think so. So I think you're you're probably onto something there. If it was actually trying to do some good with a trifecta of Ouija boards mm-hmm. in the gazebo. I wonder what shape the gazebo was in. If that was... <laughs> I don't know. Be very interesting. Year Lee writes in, Hello, Tony and Jenny. I love listening to the real ghost stories. It makes my workday really interesting and fast. I love the addition of Jenny to the show. Also, please tell her to keep writing and reading stories to us. Her last story was great. On to my story. Let me start by saying my father is a shaman. He's been practicing for more than 10 years at this point in my story. My mother had passed away when I was eight years old. My older brother, let's call him Mark, who is one year older than me, took my mother's death the hardest. When he became a freshman in high school, he became really rebellious and did not listen to anything my father said. 
One night around midnight, all of my siblings and I were awake chatting and laughing in the living room when all of a sudden we heard a loud bang on our outside door. My younger siblings were afraid as to what it could be, so I decided to go and check it out. As I opened the door to check, Mark flew in and ran right into my bedroom because it was the closest room. We could see that he was painting, uh, panting heavily and was distraught. I asked him what had happened. He paced back and forth for about five minutes, catching his breath. He finally told us that he was walking back from his friend's house, who lived about half a mile away, when he heard someone walking in high heels behind him. He said that up to this point, no one was behind him, and he hadn't heard anything. Curious, he turned around to see who it was. He described what he saw as a woman with long black hair down to her knees, with her hair covering her face, only exposing her nose. She was in a long red dress with black high heels. As soon as he saw it, he ran as fast as he could. But it did not matter how fast he ran because every time he looked back, it was still the same distance from him as it was before, just casually walking. When we heard him banging on the door, it finally disappeared. I've never seen Mark this afraid before. My father came out of his room and asked what all the commotion was about. We told him what happened with Mark, and he was not surprised at all. He said that he had called on my deceased mother to knock some sense into Mark for not listening and always going out. Let me tell you, this definitely scared Mark straight, and he started listening to my father more. Thank you for reading my story. I have many more regarding my older brother, who was cursed with black magic from a cocaine dealer, and how my dad had to get rid of it with his shaman abilities. I also have another story on how a female demon fell in love with my cousin and how it wouldn't rest till she got his soul and what he did to get rid of it. If you'd like to hear those stories and many others that I have, please let me know. Thank you again. Love the show. I want to hear those stories. I want to hear those stories. Can you imagine that family reunion? Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, tell them what about the uh, female demon that fell in love with you. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great story. Remember the wedding gifts we got you? <laughs> That was a very interesting story. Um, so I, I guess it, it begs the question, if you have a child that's out of control, can you scare them back with a ghost? In this case, it worked. Yeah, it was a ghost for good. Mm -hmm. Do you think it was the mom? I don't know. It wasn't alluded to at all. I, I was starting to wonder that. But it could be, you know, the mom had a hand in, in whatever did manifest. Sure. I don't know. It's hard to say, but regardless, mission accomplished. Yeah. Very, uh, very interesting story. That would just be so bizarrely creepy. It, just just being out there, hearing it, and looking back, and you run, and you think, okay, I'm going to look back, and you just naturally expect it to be that much further back. Uh-huh. And just there, just casually walking towards <laughs> you. That would just be so eerie. 855-855-4302 uh, is our number. Paula writes in. Not something very haunted per se, but it did make me shut my windows and I thought you'd get a laugh out of it. I was driving in the next town over with my mom and we saw a large roadkill, probably a raccoon in the middle of the road. It's always fun when you have to say probably. <laughs> to roadkill. It's bloated, you can't tell. Like, name that animal. Someone had put a balloon next to it and I assumed that it was to alert drivers so that they wouldn't run it over any further. Then my mom tells me to read the balloon. It said... Get well soon, which I found hilarious. A few nights later, I heard a low growl outside my window. I have a bedroom on the ground floor, so I was a bit worried by this and quickly made it to, to close my window. It's one of those windows that you have to crank open and closed. I hadn't yet put my screen in, so I had a clear view enough to, this time to see if anything was out there. There wasn't. It wasn't like I could have slunk off quietly. My window faces the backyard, and a lot of dead leaves and plant life are there year-round. I'd have heard it scuttle off. It may have been a fox, but those are pretty rare in my area, and I don't think squirrels can growl. I think that roadkill was a bit upset at me for laughing at it. Anyway, love the show. Keep up the good work. I may write in another time, because I'm certain that my house is some residual spirit coming home from work. I think that's hilarious that somebody tied a get well soon balloon to a roadkill. <laughs> do you think that was done with a sober mindset or do you think it was? 
Oh, I would imagine probably not just because you have to risk your life to go out in the road <laughs> to tie something on a dead animal. It's just, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, it, number one, I, I never heard of anyone like putting something like a marker up, like, hey, look out for the roadkill. Uh-huh. More or less, hey, a get well soon. That's, that'd be a great picture. That would be like one, that would be a, that would be a viral <laughs> picture right there if somebody posted that on Facebook. Uh, Chris writes in, hi, my name is Chris, and I'm writing to you from West Virginia. I've uh, uh, I've been uh, binging uh, lately. I recently listened to the story about the ghost mom slamming doors. Made me decide to share my own ghost mom story. First thing you need to know is that my mom and older sister shared a lot of mannerisms. My mother passed away soon after Mother's Day when I was 16. Fast forward to December. My sister, Guardian, was working late one night, so I Stayed up for a while, trying to see if the school closings were going to start scrolling across the TV. I finally decided it was bedtime around 9. I was in bed reading when there was a familiar knock on the door. There were two people who shared the knock, Mom and my sister. I got up thinking that my sister had got groceries, the needs, uh, needs help. I opened my door. Darkness. Okay, she didn't turn the lights on for her. I headed to the living room. And opened the front door. Nothing. No footprints in the snow. No car in the driveway. Needless to say, I was up when my sister got home an hour later. Sorry this was so long. Keep up the good work. I can't wait to become an EPP. That's a good way to take something comforting and make it real creepy all the, the real fast. <laughs> I wonder how often, you know, a, a ghost is is trying to, to be comforting and mm-hmm. inadvertently comes across as creepy. Probably pretty often. You know, it's like, hey, I'm just going to try and show you some sign that I'm here. But in you know the meantime, or, or inadvertently by doing that, you really creep the hell out of the person you're actually trying to be calming to. Yeah. You know, I could see that being the case, possibly, uh, in that scenario. Thank you for, uh, for uh, writing in and sharing that with us. Our phone number here is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to David. Hi, David. Well, hello, Tony and Jenny. This is David up here in uh, Oregon, Pacific Northwest, and I was just driving back from Seattle to Portland this evening listening to your podcast, and I uh, thought I'd give you another story. This is my fifth or sixth, I think, and uh had lots of experiences in my 51 years, and uh, I'll tell you one from, I believe, the summer of 2001. Uh, summer of 2001, I was doing a road trip from Colorado to the east, back east, and I was on my way back to Massachusetts to visit some friends, and I stopped in Indiana uh, to visit a friend and his wife, and uh, they lived in a small town in rural Indiana, north, central Indiana, north of Indianapolis, about 70 miles or so. And the area uh, was not real remote by any stretch. Um, It was uh, just a rural area with lots of small towns and farms and such around that part of the state of Indiana. And my friend from, and I had known him probably 20-some years, and he knew of my uh, interest in all things strange and unusual, you know, mostly paranormal type things that, based on the experiences that I had had, and he'd heard a lot of my stories. He had never had any real direct experience with uh, anything too unusual, apparently. And uh, when I got to his home in Indiana, um, he said to me, hey, Dave, i got something you might be interested in. Uh, there's a graveyard cemetery out away from uh, town about uh, 15 or so miles, and uh, the the story is, is that there's, uh, you know, some strange occurrences out there on a regular basis, apparitions and such, and uh, various things. And I, he asked me if I would be interested, and of course I was interested. And so about 11 o'clock one night, uh, we drove out there, he and I drove out there and uh, to that cemetery about 15 miles from, from his town. And uh, it was a full moon night. It was a summer night. It was a little bit of a breeze in the air, and it was a very nice evening. Uh, Not too much humidity, I remember. It was just a very nice evening. We drove out to the cemetery, and 
the cemetery, as I say, in that part of the state, uh, there are farms around there and there are small towns and you can see those lights on the edge of the horizon. So you're not in a real remote area like you have out here in the western U.S., but, you know, it's it's rural, but not totally remote. This little cemetery was sitting uh, probably closest farmhouse was probably a mile and a half away or so. And it was a beautiful night. Like I say, uh, it was full moon and we pulled up to the front of the cemetery and what struck me first was it was small and I could see that in the moonlight it was not a large cemetery. It really wasn't very impressive at all and uh, there was not a whole lot of foliage. Um, you could see the stones and the, the headstones in the moonlight and off to the left which would have been the which would have been the east side of the cemetery, there was a border of woodland, a small woodland, and the rest of it to the west and the north was open. But on the east side of that cemetery was a, uh, was a it bordered um, a small woodland. And so when we walked in, we just walked in, there was no gate. You just kind of drive to the front of it and just walk in and, I said, so this is the place? And he said, yeah, this is the place a lot of people have reported some strange occurrences. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And we walked into just about the center of the cemetery. And like I said, there was a breeze on the air. And it was just very nice to go out there in the quiet and stand, you know, out there and just kind of absorb the aura of the place. And, uh, so while we were standing there, we really weren't chit-chatting at that moment. We were just kind of being with the moment of it all. And way off in the distance, I thought I was beginning to hear a small child, what I would refer to as maybe a toddler, or maybe even younger than a toddler, maybe an infant. But infant to a toddler, I, I could hear a whimpering and a crying, just the beginnings of of that. And I listened very intently and then I asked my friend I said Ralph do you hear that and he goes no I don't hear anything I said just listen listen very quietly and then I could still hear the I could still hear the the much more pronounced now uh, whimpering and crying of a small child and um, I said are you sure you don't hear this and he he listened and then he started hearing it as well he goes, yeah, I do think I hear something. And it sounded like a little baby needing to be picked up, basically. And um, so he and I were standing there listening to this child crying. Um, off in the distance, it sounded like it was almost being carried on the breeze. And that was my concern was I was beginning to think this wasn't supernatural. I was beginning to think that a small child somehow got away from it's home at about 11:30 at night, and this was, you know, potentially the child could be in danger. And Ralph and I both heard this child crying, and we we became concerned, and we were just about to start trying to locate this child, and all of a sudden, and I say that because it did happen all of a sudden. I was scanning the horizons around me, and I looked to the woodland the edge of the, the border of the cemetery in the woodland and standing at about 100 feet away from us was a female apparition that was white, wispy, something that you would see from almost a stereotypical uh, description of, a, of an apparition. It was a female, white dress, clothing, uh, wispy, standing, literally standing on the edge of the woodland. And I could not make out anything below her knees, but from her knees upward, it was a female, definitely a female, and uh, dressed in a in a era that was probably from the late 1800s to the early 19, maybe 20s, in a sort of a formal-looking dress. And... When I saw her standing there, I immediately said to my friend, Ralph, I said, Ralph, look over to the edge of the woodland where it meets the cemetery. And he looked. And I heard him gasp. He gasped. And I said, so do you see her standing there? He goes, I see it. And he became very excited. And I said, please, let's just try to just 
go with this. You know, this is just, let's just go with this. Let's don't become, you know, too hyped about it. And, you know, we were settling down and just watching this and experiencing this and still hearing the baby crying. And what we both witnessed together was we witnessed this female apparition literally glide from the edge of that woodland and the cemetery border about 15 feet into the cemetery. Not toward us, but more about a a 45-degree angle away from us, but still into the cemetery, about 15 or 20 feet. And there, she knelt down as if she was, she stopped, and she knelt down as if she was going to pick something up. And right when she knelt down, the baby stopped crying. There was no more sound of whimpering and crying. And when she stood back up from the kneeling position, what was probably the most unnatural or creepy factor, if you want to call it that, of this whole experience was she glided backwards, very unnaturally just glided backwards into the, back into the woodland. And the whole experience seemed actually not so terrifying or, or unbelievably scary as, as it seemed almost natural in some ways. A baby was crying and maybe the mother or his older sister, I don't know who, came to and comfort the child. And like I say, everything seemed very natural, but was, what was not natural and what was even to this day, I still have a, a, a memory of this that, it was just a very unnatural way that when she stood back up, she glided backwards, like I said, into the woods, holding something that appeared to be a child or something. I would imagine a child. Well, when she glided back into the woods, uh, we no longer saw her, and no longer did we hear the child crying and whimpering. And he and I sort of stood there just... Uh, absolutely lost in the moment and amazed at what we had just witnessed. And we kind of screwed our courage up, I guess is one way of saying it. And uh, we wanted to go check out that stone that uh, where the apparition had floated to. And we made our way over there and uh, we looked at the stone and sure enough, it was the stone of a child of a little baby or a little toddler, maybe two years old. Don't remember exactly the age, but it was no more than two or three years old. And uh, that sort of completed that. And we left, and we were just both thoroughly amazed at the situation. And we got back to his house and told his wife, and his wife was you know, just amazed as well. And that was that experience with that uh, in the rural cemetery in Indiana. And uh, it's factual, and I've got tons of more stories for you all, all very, very true. And, uh, you know, there is this uh, out there, there is this uh, part of reality that exists beyond the, our abilities to, uh, you know, to maybe necessarily intellectually understand at the moment, but maybe in the future we'll understand it more. But in some ways I'm, more so captivated by the mystery of it all. And uh, that's my story, you guys. And I hope you uh, have a nice day and uh, much success in the future with your program. Take care. Thank you for calling in, David. That was a great story. We would love to hear uh, more from you uh, on the show. I think that's one case where you're actually relieved that it's a ghost. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to find out if there's a a lost child in the woods. And and I think you'd probably continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if you just keep hearing that crying, eventually, if you can't find it, you're going to call, like, search parties out. And, you know, and if it is a ghost, you're going to be looking mighty crazy um, if it goes away, you know. Um, but that is... Here's a, a, something I was wondering when he was telling that story. And it's kind of the, the tree, you know, making the sound when it falls in the woods. Mm-hmm. Um, would that uh, event of the entity woman coming and picking up the child 
and floating back into the woods, would that have occurred had they not been there? Was it for the benefit of the people who were seeing it? Or would this just be going on regardless if anyone was there? Um, well, I don't know how toddler ch- uh, toddler ghosts are, but uh, <laughs> live toddlers don't give a hoot who's watching when they start crying. Sure. So I'm wondering if maybe it would have happened anyway. I wonder. I mean, obviously, there's sound in the woods when the tree falls, mm-hmm. but that's a physical object. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm wondering about ghosts and, and things of that. I mean, let me, I mean, they're picked up on on video cameras and such when there's no physical person there. But again, you could also make the argument of, well, it knows the camera's there. Sure. Or it's using something with the camera to manifest. Um, two people out. I mean, there's, there's really no way of answering that question. No, but does it really make a difference? No, not at all. I was just wondering. Yeah. You know, very uh, creepy. That, and it's got to be one of the most unnerving sounds you could hear when you're out there far away ghostly or not ghostly mm-hmm. suddenly you start hearing a child crying mm-hmm. now what's what's interesting is there's so many animals that can emulate that sound pretty well too like we have a cat that will sometimes make that noise yes and like is that uh, the little one or is that the cat um but in nature too there's a lot of that too so that can sometimes be unnerving mm-hmm. but it's usually you know there's usually that that certain distinct timber to the voice where you go and that's a human Right. And you just know that that, and in your gut, you know that that is human. Great story. I would love to hear more from him. Yes. That was that was one of the, I think, just, uh, we always have good callers, but that was one of my favorites, uh-huh. I think, in, in probably the last couple of months. Just a good, good ghost story. Sure. So thank you so much for that. Uh, 855-853-4802 is uh, our phone number. Let's go to uh, another caller here. Hi. Um, I kind of feel like I've had, well, I mean, I say I feel like, but I have had, my ghost since basically the day I was born. Um, the house that I grew up in had been built in the 1920s, and my mom would later tell me that um, the bedroom that decided was mine, it had a little walk-in closet, and there was this cast iron cross over the door, and she didn't want to risk it falling on somebody's head or anything, so she took it down. And the uh, it wasn't long after that she noticed some weird stuff happening. Like, she could hear a male voice coming from my room. Like, it was just like someone was in my room. But, I mean, you know there's a difference between someone talking or whispering in the distance and, you know, what she heard. I'm oh, flustered. Uh, and uh, my little mobile, it would start up by itself sometimes. And she would go to check and see how cranked it was. It... it, it It was basically the whole way, like, she would try to pull it and it would uh, start doing the little grinding thing that says you're not supposed to push it anymore. My, uh, the bedroom windows would open. Sometimes I would, uh, I would drop a doll and there were a few times that she just, she would walk past the room because she was busy with something else. And uh, when she went to pick it up, it would be back in there with me. And as I got older, you know, the standard thing, things would get moved across the room. And, uh, like, I would, when I would try to, someone would be patting me on the head. It was, um, it was really weird. And then I got even older and moved out on my own and I started hearing a male voice, just like it was with me thought I was going crazy and uh, I ended up asking her about all of these things and she told me that when they first moved in you know I told you about the cross well when uh, those things started happening she started you know she got kind of suspicious because she's always been superstitious she would ask people around the neighborhood and finally she found this older woman who had been a little girl during the time when the house was new. And um, apparently the family that lived there, the, um, they had a little girl and she ended up dying of SIDS. And her, uh, her father hanged himself in what ended up being my closet. And I, 
I don't know for sure that it's the same person because I never, I've never seen him, or even if I had, I haven't seen a photo. So, the the fact the the things just kind of align really weird, though. So I don't think that there's very much chance that it could be anyone else. I think that he saw a baby girl and he just thought she's back or something like that. I still, I mean, he's still here. It's, he's not, he's definitely not a bad energy. He just, it feels weird to say it because he's dead and all, but he's just like a person. Like you can tell there's this air when he's in a bad mood or when he's in a good mood. And, uh, yeah, I kind of, I just, I've been listening to your podcast and I thought I'd share. Thanks. Thank you for calling in and sharing your story. It, it sounds like, you know, she's a little bit, you know, flustered for calling in, uh, but just, you know, kind of perplexed by the situation as well. Well, I think the situation to me makes perfect sense. Here, his baby died mm-hmm. and so he killed himself. And here's this new baby girl in that room. Mm-hmm. And so he's just looking out for sure, and watching her grow up. So I think it's kind of like a second chance for him. Mm-hmm. And just like anybody's real live dad, they're going to have moody days and good days. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that's that's how I understood it. Sure. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I think from her perspective, maybe she's not... Um, you know, most people who've never had a haunting experience, you're not going to be super well-versed in what to expect from your spirit, mm-hmm. <laughs> from your ghost. So what can be, I think, somewhat perplexing is the fact that the ghost may have different moods at different times. Sometimes you just kind of get in the mindset of a ghost as a ghost. It's always going to do this one action. It's always going to be like this. But if it's a ghost of a person, it may be just as personality-driven as it was in life in death. I would think so, and I'd also think at times it probably, if it's even possible, would experience frustration and that he's watching all the things that would have happened for his child. Frustration, sad, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's probably some happiness there too with with watching some of the milestones of this child, but still, you know, all of it, you know, it's, it's this human emotion, except they're dead. Yeah. And that would just be a weird thing. You know, it is a weird thing to, to really kind of grasp of. There's a dead person in my house that is acting like a living person. <laughs> you know, it, it's perplexing. So I understand how you could be confused by it. Sure. You know, thank you for calling in and sharing that story with us. If you like the show, please consider supporting it and helping us keep us uh, on the air. Become an EPP that's an extra podcast person. Sign up to do that on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Get all those bonus episodes, brand new one every single week, exclusive video, good stuff there for you when you become an EPP at Real Ghost Stories Online. Until next time, for Jenny Bruschi, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening to another episode of our show, Real Ghost Stories Online. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.